hey, one time, get this out, uh, uh, a pastor decided to do a visual demonstration to his congregation to add some emphasis to his sermon, right? I do a couple of those once in a while. And, and so he, here's what he did. Here was his visual demonstration. He, he, he placed uh, uh, four worms into four separate jars right here in front, okay? And the first worm he put into this container of alcohol. The second worm he put into this container of cigarette smoke. The third worm he put into a container of chocolate syrup. And the fourth worm was put into a container that had this really good, nice, clean soil. And so at the conclusion of the sermon, the pastor reported the following results. He said, as you guys can see, the first worm in the alcohol is dead. And the second worm uh, in the cigarette smoke, it's dead too. The third worm in the chocolate syrup, it's dead as well. But as you can see, clearly the fourth worm in that good, clean soil is alive and well. And so the pastor asked the congregation, now, now what did you learn from this demonstration? And Kenny, sitting in the back row, said, well, apparently as long as you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you don't get worms. <laughs> no. Sorry, Kenny. Okay. But uh, now you guys know why Kenny's no longer come to the Wednesday night Bible studies. That's a little side thing. But uh, we love you, Kenny, but it's <laughs> not the worms. He can still come back, though. Okay, but seriously, folks, uh, how many guys would say that Kenny, unfortunately, came to the ultimate wrong conclusion there, right? Come on, isn't about worms? Okay, but anyway, that's right. Uh, but that's right, believe it or not, folks, the Bible says that one day the whole planet is going to come to an even worse conclusion, believe it or not, than that one, okay? You see, the Bible says that the seven-year tribulation starts off with this false peace and this false utopia of the actual Antichrist. But then the Antichrist comes along and he convinces the whole planet that they just entered into the greatest time of their lives. When Jesus said it's the worst time in mankind's history, you talk about the ultimate wrong conclusion. And of course, that all begins at the rapture of the church, okay? And folks, the reason why it's such a horrible time as we've been seeing is for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior now, they're going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is not a joke. It's an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus, again, said it's the worst time in mankind's history. And that unless God shortened that time frame, nobody would survive. It's horrible. You don't want to be there. And we've been seeing, but praise God, he's not just a God of wrath, which again, I have to say this every single time, because that's not bad. It means that God's going to put an end to all this evil and junk and suffering and lying and deceit going on right now. That's good. But praise God, he's also a God of love as well because he gives us so many warning signs to let us know when things are getting close so you don't miss the boat, amen? So in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, apparently even worse than Kenny drawing conclusion about worms, okay, we're gonna continue our study, that's right, called The Final Countdown. You guys ready for the countdown? You tore that ticket up pretty good, that was awesome. Let's see if you can do this one. Uh, we've already seen the number 10 sign on The Final Countdown was John? Jewish people. Number nine was? Modern technology, number eight, worldwide upheaval, and once again, John's the last one by the time we get to stage three. Uh, number seven, the rise of falsehood. The number six, the rise of wickedness. Number five, the rise of apostasy. And the last six times we saw the fourth one was the rise of a one world religion. And what we saw is God lovingly told us clearly in the scripture, when you see all the world's religions on the planet coming together as one, which is happening right now today, thanks in lies, uh, part to the lie of interfaithism, ecumenicalism, and the last three times the rise of a global persecution against God's people, the Bible says, guess what? That's a sign you are living in the last days. It's happening now, folks. We saw that with the lies of propaganda, the examples of persecution, the plans already in place, the implementation for execution mentioned in Revelation 20, beheading is already coming back. And then last time you were here, yes, unfortunately, even here in America, the excuse and the execution has already begun here. And so as we've been seeing for that six-week study, folks, this is the point to me. It's pretty 
simple. We better get united as the church. We better stop beating each other up and we better start getting motivated for the right things because it's only going to get worse. One last time, turn to somebody and say, I need you, man. Because we do. And we're going to need each other more, folks. I'm telling you, as the days continue to progress, it would behoove us to get along now. But that's not all. That's right. I'm still preaching on this, John. So guess what? There's got to be more. I still had to do that. Thank you. I almost didn't have to do that. There's got to be more, and there is. The number three sign. Can we get a drum roll? That's, you don't want me playing drums. You guys are doing better than I am. The number three sign on the final countdown that God gave us to lovingly wake us up before it's too late. That's right. Is the rise of a one world government. What? You mean to tell me that not only all the religions on the planet are going to come under the umbrella of one, but so is the government? Yeah, the Bible's clear, folks. One day the whole planet is actually going to be under the control of literally the government of the actual Antichrist himself. Whoa, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. Let's open your Bibles to Revelation 13, the classic passage there, dealing with the first part of what the Antichrist is going to do. Of course, uh, in cohorts with his uh, buddy, the false prophet, who's going to dupe the whole world into following the Antichrist, worshiping the Antichrist, going along with the system of the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 13, you find uh, Titus, what do you do? Right, hey, you guys are right, that's right. Revelation chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 as the text talking about the beast out of the sea, the Antichrist, is who we are dealing with here. And let's take a look at what this guy is going to do during the seven-year tribulation, okay? And here's what the Bible says, And I saw a beast coming out of the sea, okay, the Antichrist, and he had ten horns and seven heads and with ten horns on his crowns, and each uh, head had a blasphemous name. And the beast, or Antichrist, I saw, resembled a leper. But he had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon, defined by the text as Satan, gave the beast or the Antichrist his power. Satan gave him his power. Satan gave him his throne. And Satan gave him his great what? Authority. Now, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have this fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast or the Antichrist. Men worshiped the dragon. Who's that? Satan. They ended up worshiping actually Satan because he had given authority to the beast or Antichrist. And they also worshiped the beast and asked, come on, woo, who is like the beast? Who can make war against this guy, right? Okay. And the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. And he opened his mouth to, to even blaspheme God, to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. And he was given power to make war against the saints uh, and to conquer them. And he was what? He was given, listen to this, he was given authority over how much of the world? Over every tribe, people, language, and nation. It says it right there. You can't get any clearer than that. Folks, the Bible clearly says you just saw that passage, and that's just one, okay, where the Bible says that one day, believe it or not, against what we would see today, okay, there really is coming a day. There really is. It was prophesied nearly 2,000 years ago that the whole planet, all the inhabitants of the earth are going to be under the authority or the government of who? The Antichrist, the beast, right? It says it right there. One day, this whole world is going to be unified. Listen, pay attention to this. Not just into a one-world government, but the text clearly says what kind of a government that's going to be, okay? It's a satanically inspired one world government. Did you catch that? Satan is the one who is uh, doing this thing, okay? And, and so that's the question for you and I. Could this really happen? Could the whole world really be deceived into creating a one world government, listen, that is actually satanically inspired? And is there any evidence that it's taking place anytime soon? Yes, thanks for asking that, Jenna. It uh, works well with my notes. Uh, there's lots of proof, folks. And the first proof we know it's happening right now, 
okay? And it's been in progress for a while, if you do the homework, is the, what I call the chronological proof, okay? And this is what most people don't realize, okay? Whether we want to stomach it or not, okay? This push, this march towards a one world government, okay, even satanically so, is not only going to be put in place because the Bible said, we just read it, it's gonna happen, okay? But I don't think people are prepared to realize it's been in the planning stages for a whole uh, long time, for many, many decades, okay? How you like that for correct grammar? I'm here for you. That's right, world government. Let's take a look at the timeline of how they slowly, methodically been working towards that. And I'm just hitting the highlights. I, I could be here all day just dealing with the events, but let's just hit some highlights of how it began to happen even here in America. 1913, the League of Nations was formed. What was that? That's an entity that is a, 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 an authority figure that starts to dictate and govern and with working with nations around the planet. That was kind of a little experimental thing after uh, that time. 1919, you had the Council of Foreign Relations was formed. Well, what are they for? Well, shortly after that, 1922, they start to endorse, guess what? We need a world government, uh, is what's going on there. 1945, the United Nations was formed. Learning from the late uh, uh, experiment of the League of Nations, now you have the United Nations, an entity beginning to dictate and influence the regions around the world and what these governments can do. 1948, listen to this, they didn't mess any uh, time up. The world constitution is drafted providing a world council to enforce world law and calls upon nations to surrender their arms to a world government. Yeah, guys didn't hear about that one in the news, did you? But that's been in progress for a long time. In 1959, they came out with the diagram of world government under the constitution for the federation of earth. So the whole earth is gonna be under a brand new constitution. We'll get to that. Lord willing, possibly next week. 1967, all of a sudden you start getting people uh, popping out this phrase all over the world. Richard Nixon starts calling for a new world order. That's interesting. What's he talking about? Uh, 1968, Nelson Rockefeller pledges support of a new world order. 1970, education, mass media begin to promote into our brains the acceptance of a new world order. Okay, 1972, the first draft was completed for the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. Okay, 1988, Mikhail Gorbachev. You're thinking, all oh, those communists, they'll never go along. The whole world means the whole world, folks. Mikhail Gorbachev, he starts to talk about this new world order. 1990, George Bush Sr. speaks of a new world order. You'll see that video in just a little bit, uh, Lord one. 1992, the Earth Summit is held and produces the Biodiversity Treaty and Agenda 21. Come, Lord willing, next week, we'll deal with that more extensively. That is literally going to begin to dictate where you can live, even here in America, is their proposal, what you can do, what, how many kids you can have, what job, what... It's all planned out because it's a total satanic dictatorship that's coming down the pike. That's Lord Willen next week. 1993, Bill Clinton speaks of a new world order. 1995, this was interesting. The term new world order is replaced with this term called global governance. And, and I remember back then, the, the, uh, people started to catch on with like, what are you guys talking about this new world order? And so they actually changed the term to global governance. You know? And then today what I've noticed, folks, is they've gone back to new world order. They use them both synonymously because people don't frankly care. They've conditioned us to, to stay in, uh, ill-informed and uninformed, and they're marching towards it, okay? Let's continue on. 1996, you had the World Food Summit held. The World Food Summit. Well, why would you? Well, because the Antichrist in the text is going to control what you buy and sell your food. So some entity is going to have to grab control of the world. It's all coming together, folks. The World Food Summit. 2000, you had the Millennium Assembly and Summit held at the UN and studies how to, let's just not talk about it, let's go ahead and implement the global governance. 2000, you also had the Earth Charter. That's a new universal law, not just constitution, a new universal law for the whole planet. Lord willing, again, we'll talk about that next week. Tom Brokaw announces the world has now formed a new world order. Do you mean the, the media is in on this? Yeah, and you'll see that in a little bit. 2002, a world criminal court is ratified and begins. 
we'll get to that, Lord willing, next week because you've got to have a court system to punish people who don't go along around the planet. It's already in place. 2002, the FDA approves a microchip implant for humans. Did you know that? Back in 2002. Well, why would you want to do that? Because you're not only going to control the governments of the world and have a new constitution and new law that you have to follow, and if you don't follow, you're going to get criminalized by this world court, okay? But we got control of your food supply, and if you want to tap into that food supply, then you need some sort of a RFID chip or something inside you to control buying... It's all being wrapped together around our lifetime. 2003, Russian President Putin says, hey, we need a, new, a world order needs to be formed. 2004, the Pope gets in on the action. He calls for a new international order to ensure peace on the planet. 2004, Bush Jr. calls for a new world order. 2005, the Pope invites nations to come together to establish ties. Well, for what? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, 2005, China and Russia start calling for a new world order. 2005, the Pope calls for a new world order. Well, that must be why you wanted to get together to establish ties, but interesting. 2006, Tony uh, Blair starts to call in England for a new world order. 2006, Bush joins talks to create a North American Union. What's that all about? You come next week. Man, I got a lot of teases for next week. You better be here. You're going to miss all this stuff. Uh, next week, you're going to see that plan. And the Bible says the whole plan is going to be split up into 10 chunks. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. 2007, Mexico's president openly calls for a North American Union because that North American Union is a proposal to combine Canada, the United States, and Mexico into one entity. Okay. Uh, 2008, British Prime Minister Gordon Brown says it's time to build a global society and talks with other world leaders to create a new world order. 2008, uh, Tony Blair announces he'll be president of Europe if you just give him power. Well, why is that important? The Bible talks about a revived Roman Empire. And you're going to have this leader over that entity, and you're seeing that begin to be in the works as well. Uh, 2008, the Vatican says that a new world order is gaining ground. 2009, Gordon Brown again says the new world order is emerging from the global financial crisis. Wait till we get, Lord willing, to one world economy. Create a crisis, you can manage the outcome. Get people to surrender their freedoms. Uh, we'll continue on. 2009, Iran's president calls for a new world order. You're thinking, they'll never go along with it. Mm-hmm, the whole planet. 2009, Henry Kissinger said that Obama is primed to create a new world order. Here's the actual video clip of him saying that. Let's take a look at that. What do you think the most important thing is for Barack Obama? Obviously, you're here to talk about uh, the anniversary for U.S.-China diplomatic relations. But if you had to say this is going to be the country or the conflict or the place that will define the Obama administration, what would it be? You can give a new impetus to American foreign policy, partly because the reception of him is so extraordinary around the world. I think his task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when really a new world order can be created. It's a great opportunity. It isn't such a crisis. But then you think in 2009, then all of a sudden, then you think, well, he'll, he won't go along with that. Well, all of a sudden, folks, uh, Obama goes out, and he, he's over there in the, the, the Prague, I believe. And he says that all nations must come together to build a stronger global regime. Are you serious? Well, here's the video clip on that. Let's take a look. North Korea broke the rules once again by testing a rocket that could be used for long-range missiles. This provocation underscores the need for action, not just this afternoon at the UN Security Council, but in our determination to prevent the spread of these weapons. Rules must be binding. Violations must be punished. Words must mean something. The world must stand together to prevent the spread of these weapons. Now is the time for a strong international response, and North Korea must know that the path to security and respect will never come through threats and illegal weapons. All nations must come together to build a stronger global regime. Well, what about a stronger 
American regime. Well, that's kind of interesting. Well, let's continue on. 2010, the International Monetary Fund says, uh, we're heading towards a new world order. 2011, Iran's president again calls for a new world order. 2012, Obama signs executive order that pushes us closer towards the North American Union and a one world economic system. Uh, 2012, you got so-called experts saying, we got to have a one world government. Uh, 2012, the Vatican says, we need a world political authority for the common good in order to ensure peace again. 2013, uh, Vice President Biden called for the creation of a new world order with new global rules and of course a prosperous china how about a prosperous america listen to this these guys i'm telling you they're out in the news they're saying it all they're not they're not even hiding from it anymore here's that and this was just what a couple weeks ago let's take a look at this the affirmative task we have now is uh is to actually um uh create uh, uh a new world order because the global order is changing again and the institutions and the rules that work so well in the post-World War II era for decades, uh, they need to be strengthened, and some have to be changed. So we have to do what we do best. We have to lead. Hey, very interesting, let's move on. And just recently, Pope Francis, the new guy, met with leaders of non-Catholic religions, Orthodox, Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus, to encourage them to, quote, recognize their joint responsibility to our world, and which we have uh, to love and to protect. And he's now being called by the United Nations, just, just came out, as the global spiritual leader. Now, why is that important? Well, if you know your Bible and the whole context of Revelation 13, if you're going to have an antichrist, you've got to have a global spiritual leader that the Bible calls the false prophet to come alongside the antichrist to help promote his agenda for the whole world to get duped into. I'm not saying this guy is the actual false prophet, but here's my whole point. Anybody seeing the pieces come together? Don't have to make this stuff up. You've just got to pay attention to the news. Folks, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm saying when you take a look at that timeline, somebody's pretty serious about forming this one world government. How about you? I mean, the impression I get is almost like they're following some sort of chronological plan and they're about that close to pulling it off. Exactly like the Bible said would happen when you're living in the last days. It's all happening now, but that's not all. The second way, the second proof that I call that we know, folks, that we're uh, dealing with a one world government, uh, we'll get to that in a second because I want to dispel this. You might be out there thinking, hey, come on, Pastor Billy, there's just no way. There's just no way that America is going to go along with this. This is just, you got, you downloaded all that timeline from wackyconspiracyguy.org, didn't you? You can't trust that website. No, it didn't come from there. I don't even know if that is a website. Now, Pastor, come on, we're a Christian nation, man. There's no way our leaders here in America would ever undermine our country's sovereignty and go along with a one world government. This is insane. We, we, our Declaration of Independence says we are endowed by our creator with these rights. There's no way that a faithful American would ever give up our national sovereignty and submit to a one world government. Gosh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, folks, but that brings me to my second proof. We know we're really headed for a one-world government, and that's what I call the administration proof. The administration proof, okay? You see, here's the point, folks. We've already seen in our opening text, there's two things going on there. It's not just a one-world government. What kind of a one-world government is it? It is one that is actually satanically inspired, right? So logically, therefore, if America, yes, even America... At some point, with all nations, all people, all tribes, all languages, is going to go along with this one world government that's satanically inspired, then listen, then that means logically, put two and two together, that America, at some point, not recommending it, 
But logically, at some point, America is going to have to snub, if you will, our total Christian heritage and foundation that our founding fathers set up on biblical principles, and we're literally going to have to turn away from God himself and give him the snub too, right? You have to logically, if you're going to go along with Revelation 13, a satanically inspired system. Folks, believe it or not, that's what our current administration is doing right now. Okay, I'm telling you folks, this is absolutely, in fact, it's so bad. It's so bad that other researchers, listen, they are saying the current administration is the most anti-Christian administration in all of American history right now. But don't take my word for it. Let's take a look at the facts. The first clue that something strange was up should have been back in 2006 when this speech was given in Washington, D.C. Okay, let's take a look at that again. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, and a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. And even if we did have only Christians in our midst, if we expelled every non-Christian from the United States of America, whose Christianity would we teach in the schools? Would it be James Dobson's or Al Sharpton's? Which passages of scripture should guide our public policy? Should we go with uh, Leviticus, which uh, suggests slavery is okay, and that eating uh, shellfish is an abomination? Or we could go uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith? Or should we just stick to the Sermon on the Mount? A passage that is so radical that it's doubtful that our own Defense Department would survive its application. We... It would be bad for America if we followed the teachings of Jesus. Wow, well, maybe that's just, let's just let that one slide. Well, uh, the next year, for some reason, all of a sudden, the same guy chooses to not put his hand over his heart during the singing of the national anthem. Check this out. The famous picture of him standing, well, Bill Richardson, Hillary Clinton have their hand over their heart, saluting the flag during the pledge, and Obama has his hands uh, deliberately down. That is disturbing deliberately to Americans. I don't know, maybe sometimes your brain goes elsewhere. Uh, it's just, you know, you, you forget to do it. I don't know, maybe I'll give you that one. But Or, or is things going to continue to stack up? I don't know, you be the judge. Uh, 2008, the very next year, he spoke out disrespectfully of guess who, Christians, saying that they, quote, cling to guns or religion and have an antipathy towards people who aren't like them. And then the very first day in office, this should have been the clue, uh, he lifts restrictions on the U.S. government funding for groups that provide abortion services abroad, forcing taxpayers to fund pro-abortion groups that either promote or perform abortions around the world. First day in office. How about something about the economy, something like that, that we were told. But the very first day, you start, we as American taxpayers are now paying to murder children all around the planet. I didn't have time to get it in for this study, but I just came across, I got to download, maybe we could use it later, but the video clip of a, of a speech at Planned Parenthood and ends the speech 
to Planned Parenthood saying God bless you. As long as we've got a fight to make sure women have access to quality, affordable health care, and as long as we've got to fight to protect a woman's right to make her own choices about her own health, I want you to know that you've also got a president who's going to be right there with you fighting every step of the way. Thank you, Planned Parenthood. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you. President Obama. 2090 NASA's plans to revoke conscious protection for health workers who refuse to participate in medical activities like abortions to go against their beliefs, and then he implements that in February 2011. So who cares if it goes against your belief? Uh, 2009 gave $50 million to abortion industries that closely work with Chinese population control officials who use forced abortions and involuntary sterilizations. Why would you want to fund that group? Unless it's going to come here. Eventually, 2009, he's speaking at Georgetown University. He orders that a monogram symbolizing Jesus' name be covered when making a speech. Here's the actual report. Let's check a look at that. The University of Notre Dame is not the only Catholic institution raising eyebrows when it comes to President Obama. Officials at Georgetown University covered a monogram symbolizing the name of Jesus because it was inscribed on the stage where the president spoke Tuesday. The monogram, IHS, which comes from the Greek for Jesus, was covered with a triangle of black painted plywood. Catholic League President Bill Donahue says, quote, the cowardice of Georgetown to stand fast on principle tells us more than we need to know. But the bigger story is the audacity of the Obama administration to ask a religious school to neuter itself before the president speaks there. Uh, then he declines to host services for the National Prayer Day at the White House, which is established by federal law. But then he does host uh, at the White House uh, dinners for uh, in honor of Ramadan. Well, that's kind of interesting. And then he uh, illegally extends federal benefits to same-sex partners of Foreign Service and Executive Branch employees in direct violation of the Federal Defense Marriage Act. Uh, and then he appoints uh, Chai Feldblum, who asserts that society should not tolerate any private beliefs, including religious beliefs that go against homosexuality. Uh, then Christian leader Franklin Graham, he's barred from the Pentagon's National Day prayer event because he uh, spoke out against the Muslim community and the atrocities that they're doing. And they banned him from coming. Uh, then he goes to great lengths to speak on behalf of building an Islamic mosque at Ground Zero, 9-11, while at the same time he's silent about a Christian church being denied permission to rebuild at the same location. What? Uh, then he started omitting the phrase, the creator, when quoting the Declaration of Independence no less than seven different times. Even the media picked up on it. Watch this video clip. This is wild. Robert, uh, two questions. Twice in recent weeks, the president has quoted from the Declaration of Independence and has omitted the Declaration's reference to rights, quote, endowed by their creator. Why did he omit this part of the Declaration? I, I haven't seen the comments, Lester, but uh, I can assure you the president believes in the Declaration of Independence. Let's continue on. Then he misquotes the national motto saying, e pluribus unum, rather than in God we trust as established by federal law. Uh, then a federal law was passed to transfer World War I memorial in the Mojave Desert to private ownership. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the cross in the memorial could continue to stand. U.S. Supreme Court. Well, he refused to allow the land to be transferred as required by law, and then he refused to allow the cross to be re-erected as ordered by the Supreme Court. I mean, if anything, aren't there bigger pressing issues? Why would you do that? Wow. Then he refused to investigate videos uh, showing how Planned Parenthood is helping alleged sex traffickers get abortions for victimized underage girls. Uh, then he directed the Justice Department to stop defending the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, then he allowed homosexuals to serve openly in the military, reversing a policy originally instituted by George Washington back in 1778. 
okay? Uh, then he studiously avoids any religious references in his Thanksgiving speech, unlike previous presidents who call upon God. Uh, then he argues that the First Amendment provides no protection for churches and synagogues in hiring their pastors and rabbis. What? Uh, then he makes huge apologies for Korans being burned by the U.S. military. But when Bibles were burned, numerous reasons were offered why it's the right thing to do. Excuse me? Then Bibles for the American military have been printed in every conflict since the American Revolution. But now he revokes that long-standing policy, uh, allowing military service emblems to be placed on those military uh, Bibles. And then Pastor Louis Giglio, or whatever you pronounce his name, Giglio, is pressured to remove himself from praying at the inauguration after it's discovered that he once preached a sermon supporting the biblical definition of marriage. You're disqualified. And then he announced that the rights of religious individuals will not be protected under the Affordable Care Act. The health, so what? Okay, it all comes out later once you get it passed. Officials now briefing the U.S. Army soldiers include, listen, right now, this is hot the press, evangelical Christianity right along with, we just finished this up in uh, One World Religion, right along with other terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda, Muslim Brotherhood, and the Hamas, showing them to also evangelical Christianity uh, be examples of religious extremism. Again, I didn't have time to get it into here. I just read a report last night that says this. It's not just we're lumped in with the Al-Qaeda as being uh, uh, extremists. We're actually rated higher. We are now being considered worse than Al-Qaeda. Folks, here's the whole point. I don't know about you, but correct me if I'm wrong. Sure, sure, it seems to me that uh, our current administration is not just snubbing their nose at God and mocking our Christian heritage, but it appears that they're uh, heading down this anti-Christian, anti-God route that logically is exactly what has to occur if America is going to submit and surrender their freedoms to a satanic one-world government. How about you? Interesting. Unless you think that I'm just picking on Democrats, okay? You have to realize, folks, we've been snookered, man. I've been saying this for a long time. It's both of them, okay? And that brings me to the third proof. We know we're really headed for a one-world government is the quotation proof, okay? They're both saying it, both sides. Now, again, there's a disclaimer. There are still great godly uh, leaders who are pro-Constitution, pro-the Bill of Rights, uh, uh, who are supporting biblical values and in, in politics, and they need our support. Hello? But by and large... They both have been infiltrated, okay? It doesn't matter what party you belong to anymore, by and large. They have both been infiltrated. This is the lie. This is the illusion. They've been infiltrated by globalists who want and who are surrendering our nation's sovereignty and our freedoms out in the name of fear to go along with this program. It's not just one. It's both. Let me give you an analogy. The first time I heard this, it was like, oh, duh. Okay, I got it now. This is the ruse that's being placed on us. When it comes to election time, for the last several elections, Here's really what's going on. Let me give you an analogy. It's like asking you guys this question. Hey, this next election, <laughs> woo, which guy would you rather like to vote for? You want to vote for the Gambinos or the Corleones? Because that's what's going on. They're both in it together. Okay, but again, don't listen to my words. Let's listen to theirs, including world leaders around the world. They admit, folks, this is what they're working towards. Our, our country's been infected. Henry Kissinger said this, today America will be outraged if UN troops entered LA to restore order, but tomorrow they will be grateful. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by a who? A world government. 
Walter Cronkite, the media, listen to this, this is a bombshell. He says, it seems to many of us that if we are to avoid the eventual catastrophic world conflict, we must strengthen the United Nations as a first step towards a world government. To do that, of course, we Americans will have to yield up some of our sovereignty. That would be a bitter pill. It would take a lot of courage, a whole lot of faith in the new order. He said, Pat Robertson has written a book a few years ago that, should have, uh, that we should have a world government, but only when the Messiah arrives. He wrote, literally, any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Concrete says, he says, well, join me. I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan. Wow, you can check it out, folks. I ain't making it up. Al Gore says the climate bill would help bring about global governance. I mean, this whole environmental thing, this environmental crisis and supposed global warming, which we saw before as a lie, is really about having an entity dictate to, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. The French president, Jacques, he said the same thing. He said during a speech at the UN's Kyoto Protocol, which is an environmental thing, he said this represents the first component of an authentic global governance. For the first time, humanity is instituting a genuine instrument of global governance. Uh, David Rockefeller says, man, we are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings. They've been there. They know what these guys are up to. Here's why they're grateful. And they respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the work is now much more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. Exciting. Strobe Talbot, he was Clinton's uh, deputy secretary of state. Listen to this one. He said, in the next century, which is now, nations as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. Listen to this. Uh, national sovereignty wasn't such a great idea after all. See, we used to call that treason. But does anybody even care anymore? Richard Falk, he works at the UN. He says, the existing order is breaking down at the rapid rate, and the main uncertainty is whether mankind can exert a positive role in shaping a new world order. We believe a new order will be born no later than early in the next century. That's now when he made this quote. Okay, Mikhail Gorbachev, he says, further global progress is now possible only through a quest for universal consensus in the movement towards a new world order. Nelson Mandela says, the new world order that is in the making must focus on the creation of a world democracy, peace and prosperity for all. George McGovern said, hey, I would support a presidential candidate who pledged to take the following steps. At the end of the war in the Persian Gulf, pressed for a comprehensive Middle East settlement and for a new world order based not on Pax Americana, the peace that America could provide, but on peace through law with a stronger UN and a world court. Interesting. George Bush Sr. says, hey, if we don't follow the dictates of our inner moral compass and stand up for human life, then this lawlessness will threaten the peace and democracy of the emerging new world order we now see. This what? This long dreamed of vision we've all worked toward for so long. Huh? Did he really say that? This is just part of my proof, guys. You cannot accuse me of picking one party over the other. I'm telling you, Gambinos Corleones, we've been duped. Here's the actual statement when he made that from the Oval Office, if anybody was paying attention. Check this out, this is creepy. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations 
can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Uh, Madeline Albright said, today I say that no nation in the world need be left out of the global system we are constructing. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, listen to this. The victims of the September 11th attacks will not have died in vain if the world leaders use the crisis to create a new world order. What sort of a financial deal should Obama be seeking to strike when he travels to China next month? No, I think this would be the time because you really need to bring China into the creation of a new uh, 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 world order, financial world order. Uh, they are kind of reluctant members of the IMF. They play along, but they don't make much of a contribution. So I think you need a, a new world order that China has to be part of the process of creating it. I think the makings of it are already there because the G20 in agreeing to peer reviews effectively is moving in that direction. What guarantees are you going to give this liberal about how that will reduce the cost of, uh, of uh, gasoline at the pump if we let you drill where you say you want to drill? I can guarantee to the American people because of the inaction of the United States Congress ever increasing prices unless the demand comes down and the five dollars will look like a very low price in the years to come if we are prohibited from finding new reserves, new opportunities to increase supplies. And guess what this liberal would be all about? This liberal will be all about socializing. Uh, um, would be about basically taking over and the government running all of your companies. Well, our position uh, was, was not that. Our position was to support action so that the will of the international community that um, Saddam Hussein disclose and dispose of uh, weapons uh, be, be enforced. Uh, and at the back of my uh, mind was this sense that if the international community did not act here, then the international community would find it difficult to, to gain credibility for acting in other areas. Uh, and that this new world order that we were trying to create was mm. being put at risk. I think the new world order is emerging and with it the foundations of a new and progressive era of international cooperation. You believe deeply in your system, and we believe just as deeply in our system. It is not our common beliefs that have brought us together here, but our common interests and our common hopes. The interest that each of us has to maintain our independence and the security of our peoples, and the hope that each of us has to build a new world order in which nations and peoples with different systems and different values can live together in peace. I think even that, even that does not describe why the world has changed so much and why the world has turned so much toward a new world order and a new kind of civilization. Until now, the world we've known has been a world divided, a world of barbed wire and concrete block, conflict, cold war. Now we can see a new world coming into view, a world in which there is the very real prospect of a new world order.
we would like to bring you a message from the First Lady of the United States, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Good evening and congratulations, Walter, on receiving the World Federalist Association's Global Governance Award. For more than a generation in America, it wasn't the news until Walter Cronkite told us it was the news. This is a moment to seize. The kaleidoscope has been shaken, the pieces are in flux, soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. The United States is in a key position to shape this so that the problem of the Bush presidency will be the emergence of a new international order. Within the next four years, we will see the emergence of a new international the order. The beginning of a new international order. The first decade of the 21st century, that out of what is, will be seen as the greatest restructuring of the global economy, perhaps one even greater than at the time of the Industrial Revolution, a new world order was created. Wow. And Robert Mueller, this is, I, listen to this, I'm not making this up. Former assistant attorney general to UN, listen to this, it's like they're following the script. He said, we must move as quickly as possible, I'm not making it up, to a one world government, a one world religion under a one world leader. Revelation, chapter 13. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking that somebody's taking this one world government, this new world order thing kind of serious. How about you guys? Okay. And let us remind ourselves as we get ready to close, uh, why does the Bible say that this is a satanically inspired system? Well, when you take a look at what he's going to do, he's, he's going to dictate literally everything you can and cannot do. Okay? It's total slavery. The worst uh, evidence and, and existence of slavery on the whole planet in mankind's history. And this is that classic text in Revelation 13. Let's take a look at why it's so satanic. Revelation 13, verse 16 through 17 says, He also forced everyone, the whole planet, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had that mark, which is the name of the beast or antichrist or the number of his name, okay? The Bible tells us, folks, the antichrist system is not just going to be all over the world, but at some point he's going to force the world to receive some sort of a mark into his right hand or his forehead, otherwise you cannot buy or sell. It's total slavery of mankind over the whole planet, okay? And, and in other words, basically what he's saying, if you don't go along with my system, the Antichrist system, I'm gonna shut you out of the system. And they go, well, man, that's gonna be a far off. No, it's not. I'm gonna share with you just a real quick clip of an actual interview of one man had with one of these globalists who's pushing for the new world order. Pay attention to what we just saw in Revelation 13. They're gonna shut you out of the system if you don't go along with their system. He exposed that. His name is Aaron Russo. And then he died shortly after this interview. And he exposed a conversation he had face-to-face -face with one of these globalists. And you tell me if that's not exactly what they're planning on instituting. You don't go along with us, we're going to shut you out with a chip. Take a look at this. This is wild. This is Aaron Russo, a filmmaker and former politician. To his left is Nicholas Rockefeller of the infamous Rockefeller banking and business dynasty. After maintaining a close friendship with Nicholas Rockefeller, Aaron eventually ended the relationship, appalled by what he had learned about the Rockefellers and their ambitions. Uh, 
uh, I got a call one day from um, an attorney woman I knew, and she said, would you like to meet one of the Rockefellers? I said, sure, I'd love to. And uh, we became friends, and um, he began to divulge a lot of things to me. So he said to me one night, he said that uh, there's going to be an event there, and out of that event, you're going to see we're going to go into Afghanistan, so we run pipelines from the Caspian Sea, we're going to go into Iraq, to take the oil and establish a base in the Middle East, and we're going to go into Venezuela and, and try and get, and get rid of Chavez. And uh, the first two they've accomplished, Chavez they didn't accomplish, and uh, so you're going to see guys going into caves looking for <laughs> looking for people uh, that they're never going to find. You know, he was laughing about the fact that you have this war on terror. There's no real enemy. He's talking about how... By having this war on terror, you can never win it, because it's an eternal war, and so you can always keep taking people's liberties away. And I said, how are you going to convince people that this war is real? He said, but the media. The media can convince everybody it's real. I mean, you know, it's just that you keep talking about things, you keep saying it over and over and over again, and eventually people believe it. You know, you created the Federal Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11, which is another lie. Through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror, and now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie, and now they're going to do Iran, you know? And it's all one thing leading to another, leading to another, leading to another. Now, I would say, that, why, what are you doing this for? What, what, what's the point of this thing? You have all the money in the world you ever want. You have all the power. I said, you know, you're hurting people. It's, it's not a good thing. And he would say, what do you care about the people for? Take care of yourself and you take care of your family. And then I said, so what's the ultimate, what are the ultimate goals here? To the, the, goal, the ultimate goal is to get everybody in this world chipped with the, with the RFID chip and uh, have all money be on those chips and everything on those chips. And if anybody wants to protest what we do or violate what we want, we just turn off that chip. Man, that just sounds like Revelation 13. But hey, sorry Al, I got this whole thing from wackyconspiracyguy.org. Yeah, I wish. Folks, all this is happening right now. I don't know about you, but I say we better get motivated for the right things, amen? Okay, this is what God's doing. I really think this is an act of love. He gives us this information. He tells us 2,000 years ago, he's been telling us what is gonna happen in the last days so we can get motivated for the right things and we don't get sucked in not only into the satanic system, but we can make sure that what little time we have here on earth, it's being steered in the right direction to make a difference while we can. Amen? All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing and we have no time to sit around and do nothing. We have to speak up while we still have the freedom in our country, yes, in America, as we're going to see in a bit, and we better get busy sharing the gospel. God has given us this information to wake us up, the signs of a one-world government to let us know it's getting close, folks, the seven-year tribulation. This is not a game. And this is why Jesus said, Luke 21, 28, when you see these things take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. That means Jesus Christ is coming back. That's exciting stuff. Unless you love this world. And you want that more than the world to come with Jesus. People like it, lump it, leave it or not. I'm telling you, we have got to get motivated for the right things. We have got to lay aside our differences, start getting busy saving souls by the Spirit of God. And that's the answer to the ills of our country. I've said it before, maybe God's got one last true genuine revival for America up his sleeve. Wouldn't that be awesome? But it will never happen until we start getting motivated and get busy sharing the only cure for our sickened country. 
Franklin Graham says the same thing, and I want to encourage you again. There is hope. This is what he says. You've got to get on track, though, on the right program. He says, since the recent election, we've seen same-sex couples lining up at courthouses in several states to receive their marriage licenses, and hundreds of people gathering in public places to light up marijuana cigarettes in the states where it's just been decriminalized. He said, this is only the tip of the iceberg. The moral decline we see on television programs, the blatant immorality, the senseless violence, the media-friendly gay and lesbian behavior is just a reflection of the moral correctness that has infected our entire nation. These are indeed dark days, but there is hope. For far too long as a nation, we have neglected, even rejected the word of God and his commands. Yet the scriptures are mighty, able to penetrate even the most hardened, darkened hearts with convicting, life-giving power. This is the only cure for a sin-sickened country that is about to slip into a moral abyss, and it is why we must proclaim as Christians the good news. That's what we need to be about. I'll say it one more time. We don't have the liberty to goof off. We certainly don't have the liberty to beat each other up over senseless things when we got to get busy working together as God's team to get the cure to our nation before it's too late. His name is Jesus Christ. But in closing, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, what more does God got to do? Come on. Heed the signs, heed the warnings, give your life to Jesus today because the last place you ever want to go is the Antichrist kingdom. That chip that you just saw that they're really planning on forcing on the planet is real. That's just the tip of the iceberg, though. You don't want to be there. Give your life to Jesus now to escape the wrath to come. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay. The, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, and how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved 
the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please. Take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven.
God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.